You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We have breaking details tonight in a decades old cold case involving the murder of 12 year old Monica Jack. After a little more than two days of deliberations, the jury found Gary Handlin guilty of first degree murder. There were tears and cheers in the courtroom as the verdict was read. Our Ramina Dea was there for it all. Ramina. Chris, it was a powerful moment when the verdict came down. Monica Jack's family and supporters were yelling thank you, thank you to the jury members as they left courtroom 65. Today, he's going away forever. And I'm very, very happy about that family and supporters have waited 40 years for justice for 12-year-old Monica Jack. He got what he deserved. The jury finding Gary Taylor Handlin guilty of first-degree murder. 12-year-old Jack was riding her bike along the highway near Merritt in 1978 when she was abducted, raped and killed, according to Crown's evidence. Jack's remains were discovered 17 years later. Jack's mother not ready to comment on the verdict. This is what she told Global News a few days ago. Do you feel in your gut you're going to get justice? For people like Hanlon, I don't think there is any justice. He is going to die like that. And he will get his justice then. The epicenter of this case, the Mr. Big RCMP sting. Handlin confessed to a fake undercover crime boss in 2014. Defense argued he was manipulated by police. Crown's position, Handlin came clean to avoid prosecution. The investigation has been long. Um, we appreciate the jury for, for their uh, time and consideration with respect to this matter and for all of those who were involved in bringing this case to this stage. Well, there is another step in this process, Ramina. The family is going to get their chance to address Handlin soon, too. They will, Chris. They will deliver their victim impact statements on January 28th here at Supreme Court. Now, a first-degree murder conviction comes with an automatic life sentence. There is no eligibility for parole for 25 years. Defense not commenting today, so we don't know if there will be an appeal. Back to you. All right. Thanks very much for being a day alive for us tonight. Now to the so-called Prince of Pot, Mark Emery, defending himself tonight from allegations of sexual harassment. They come from a Toronto woman who claims he groomed and exploited young women who worked at his cannabis culture shop. Jill Bennett has more on the accusations and what Emery admits about his own behavior during that time. Deidre Olson says she tried for years to get her story told, but no one would report on what she says was her experience during a meeting with Mark Emery. She's now told it on Twitter. I might as well just say it and that, you know, like if that's what it takes to make the public aware and it's a last resort, 
then I might as well do it. Olson says she was 17 and interested in the cannabis scene when she met with Emery on May 1st, 2008 at the BCMP lounge. We were joking and chatting. He had me sit on his lap uh, and smoke a bong choke out of his six foot phallic bong between his legs. Um, and then he gave me a pipe which he called after his ball sack. She says since that encounter, she has talked with several other women who also claim they were sexually harassed by Mark Emery. He explicitly targeted young women that were especially vulnerable to work at his at his uh, cannabis culture. In an almost 1,800-word post on his Facebook page, Emery denies the allegations, saying, It's my sincere belief that I have never sexually aggressed anyone. I do talk about sex, but I have never had sex with anyone under 19. Emery goes on to write, I'm a touchy guy probably, but I would like to think that it was modest, non-sexual touching always. I tried reporting on this myself actually, um, but the women that I spoke with were too traumatized to move forward through it. He's very famous around the world. Olson says it was watching a new documentary on R. Kelly that led to her finally posting her story. That, and she says, it's a different culture now, one more supportive of women. Neither Mark Emery nor his separated wife Jody have responded to requests for interviews. Emery is not facing any criminal charges related to the allegations. None of the allegations against him has been proven in court. Jill Bennett, Global News. Surrey RCMP need your help after an assault on a 14-year-old girl. The teen was walking home from school yesterday afternoon in the 9300 block of 157th Street next to Bel Air Park when she says she saw a man standing in the middle of the path. She tried to walk past, but the man began to follow her, eventually grabbing her on the shoulder. RCMP say she fought back, causing the man to let go, and she ran home. Anyone with information or who may have been in the area at the time and might have dash cam footage is asked to call RCMP. Looking for a Caucasian male wearing a dark hoodie and gray sweatpants and black shoes. The youth um, has no injuries, but as you could understand, she is uh, quite emotionally shaken from this uh, incident. The Competition Bureau calling out the B.C. government tonight for its antiquated liquor policies. The interim commissioner pointing out recommendations in a report the government has kept hidden for months. Recommendations that could be saving businesses and consumers a lot of money. Aaron MacArthur reports. At Pet's Whiskey Bar, they're still hurting from a huge loss. Last year, liquor inspectors raided the Commercial Drive restaurant, seizing $40,000 of rare scotch for simply buying the bottles at a private liquor store. The owner still fighting to get them back. We believe that they were unlawfully seized and we're going through a process and we have a hearing in March. The ability for restaurants to buy direct from producers or private stores at true wholesale prices has been a point of contention in the industry for years. Thursday, the Competition Bureau of Canada drafting an open letter to BC's Attorney General, urging the government to finally act on those two policy points. Making these changes will open up competition in British Columbia, uh, encourage innovation. The Competition Bureau letter only mirrors what an NDP commission study said last year. Restaurants and bars forced to pay retail at government liquor stores are facing unnecessary cost pressures. Despite having the report for months, the government has yet to act on any of those recommendations. 
the legalization of cannabis happened at the same time, uh, and we have been full out on uh, dealing with that in terms of licenses, uh, supply, and the provincial regime. It's the same policy people. While support for what was called the Hicken Report was almost universal, public sector unions strongly opposed. This new model stands to bypass thousands of high-paying BCGEU jobs. For some restaurants, this is a life or death issue because they have such small margins. Given the importance of the hospitality industry in BC, I think you'll move on this. I do. While the BC government has prioritized a true wholesale price, which would support the hospitality industry and potentially make liquor less expensive for consumers, no firm timeline has been given. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. A day after she was out, Karen Wang wants back in. The federal liberal candidate in the Burnaby South by-election made a tearful public appeal today for a second chance after resigning yesterday. But her pitch fell on deaf ears, at least within her own party. Richard Zussman has more on Wang's impromptu media scrum and why she may not be out of the race just yet. I have been misunderstood. Another bizarre twist in a story that's been full of them. Ousted Liberal Burnaby South by-election candidate Karen Wang arriving today for a media event at the Burnaby Library. Her mother in tears, Wang being told by the librarian she can't do the event on the premises. Then nearby, Wang made her plea. I have been labeled as a racist, and which really, really makes me hurt. On Wednesday, Wang resigned as the Liberal candidate in the Burnaby South by-election, stepping down because of comments singling out NDP leader and by-election candidate Jagmeet Singh as being, quote, of Indian origin. Divisive politics, politics that divide along racial lines, hurt our communities. In response to Wang's plea still to run as a Liberal, the party sent this statement. The Liberal Party has accepted her resignation as a candidate and she will not represent the Liberal Party in the Burnaby South by-election. The Liberal Party has a clear commitment to positive politics and support for Canadian diversity and the same is always expected of our candidates. We already asked this morning and uh, the answer is no so far as I, as I heard and uh, it's, uh, it, you know, I respect the party's decision. It's been a rough road for Wang entering electoral politics. She lost as a B.C. Liberal candidate in the 2017 provincial election. The federal Liberals won't have her back. And the federal Conservatives say they wouldn't let her run for them in this Burnaby South by-election. My understanding is that at the time discussions were undertaken with this individual, that there were questions uh, uh, related to her judgment. But this may not be the last we've seen of Wang. She's considering a run in this by-election as an independent. Richard Zussman, Global News. The Premier is responding today to criticism over the government's opt-out approach to the speculation tax. Keith Baldry is live in Victoria with more on this. Keith, what's the Premier saying about it? Well, you know, the speculation tax, Chris, has been a problem for the NDP from the get-go. It's been changed several times. It's been redefined. And now this week, the revelation that basically everybody in Metro uh, Vancouver, the capital region, Nanaimo and Kelowna are deemed to be speculators unless you formally uh, declare that you are not a speculator, that you do not own more than one property. So the onus is on individuals now to fill out a form or make a phone call, go online and say, no, I, I am exempt because I don't own two homes. Uh, Premier making the point today in a sort of sarcastic fashion that there's really no other better way to get cracked down on speculation in the housing market. Here's John Horgan. 
counter argument is, dear speculator, please identify yourself. And I'm not confident that that's the most effective way to identify speculation. Uh, these issues were debated in the legislature. The Greens were fully briefed on it uh, over and over again. Uh, the Liberals had opportunities in the legislature to raise concerns if they had them. They didn't. I think the biggest challenge for BC Liberals is we're trying to do something about speculation in the housing market, and they did nothing. So it's important for a lot of people watching right now, Chris, to keep an eye on your mailbox and what comes through the mail slot. You don't want to miss this letter from the government because if you do not make the formal declaration that you are not uh, speculating, you will be dinged at significantly, potentially significantly very expensive tax. So keep an eye on it and make sure you fill out the form or make the phone call or go online and avoid this tax. Could, could be in the thousands for a lot of homeowners. Uh, we you said hear. it. All right. Thanks very much, Keith. Thousands of drivers once again are being warned of major disruptions in their daily commute. Fortis, B.C. continuing its gas line upgrade. John Waugh has more on the next stretch impacted and how one community is already fighting for better compensation. The heavy construction on First Avenue last summer is like looking into a crystal ball at the traffic chaos that's about to hit Coquitlam. It's going to be ugly if it's single lane here at 430. Uh, it's going to be backed right up. Fortis, B.C. is continuing to upgrade a 20-kilometer stretch of aging gas lines. This phase right down the middle of Como Lake Avenue, up to eight months of lane closures. That will mean a lengthy headache for commuters. It would be very bad, very bad. The city telling Fortis, B.C. if it's going to create problems for drivers, at least pony up the cash to properly fix the road when it's done. You get to lay your pipeline, just don't leave us worse off. and Don't make us subsidize with tax dollars. Uh, your pipeline. The city has filed a submission to the BC Utilities Commission, requesting it order Fortis BC to first remove the old gas line, then repave Como Lake Avenue curb to curb. Straight pavement can last 40 years, but as soon as you cut it, its life is shortened enormously. Fortis BC says Coquitlam's demands don't match up with other municipalities. Our standard practice is to decommission the gas line and leave it in place. As well, we will be repaving the lanes that are disturbed during construction, as outlined in our operating agreements. This is what we have agreed to in both Vancouver and Burnaby, who we have similar operating agreements with. It's never smooth. Never. You know, it, where they've worked, dips, or it's up. Now that's really bad. Mayor Stewart says if the BC Utilities Commission doesn't factor in the cost to municipalities, it's time for the entire system to change. And while the future look of Como Lake Avenue might still be a little fuzzy, the pain drivers, residents and businesses will be faced with until the fall is already crystal clear. John Hua, Global News. Well, maybe you'll want to take mass transit. TransLink is ordering hundreds of new SkyTrain cars and they want your thoughts on what they should look like. The system is getting a major refresh with more than 200 new cars expected between 2023 and 2024. Bids will go out this spring, but before that, the Transit Authority is seeking public input on the design. So far, they're pleased with the response. So would you like to see seating along the side of the trains and the newer trains like you see in some of the older ones? Do you like the backwards and forwards seating? Would you like bike racks in the flex space? Maybe a leaning bar for people who find it uncomfortable to rise from a seated position. All this is about making the customer experience better. Former U.S. President Barack Obama is coming to Vancouver in March. The Greater Vancouver Board of Trade announcing the news on our morning show today. A conversation with President Barack Obama will take place at the Vancouver Convention Center on March 5th. 
Board of Trade CEO Ian Black says Obama will be speaking on everything from his improbable path to the White House to global politics after his departure. The public will be able to buy tickets on February 1st, but they are expected to get snapped up very quickly. Some serious questions tonight after a notorious dangerous offender was allegedly allowed to send a Christmas card to one of his victims despite a no-contact order. The offender has been charged with failing to comply, but the victim says it should never have happened in the first place. Shelby Tom reports. Oliver Mann, Wayne Belleville, is trying to forget the day he almost died three and a half years ago. My first thought was, man, what kind of phone call is that going to be? For my kids. Belleville offered a hitchhiker a ride, only to learn it was notorious prolific offender Ronald Tanike. He shot me. Uh, as I'm running, I'm thinking, like, who shoots somebody for a, an, a you know, a 15-year-old truck? So I said, why did you kill me, man? But Belleville survived, and last March, Tanike was designated a dangerous offender, with a rap sheet of 37 convictions over more than three decades. Tanike could spend the rest of his life behind bars. That's exactly what he, he deserved. Belleville told us at the time hoping to move on. But over Christmas, he says he received this letter and a Christmas card in the mail, stunned to read it was from... Our Tanike care of, uh, you know, the Agassiz, the address for Kent uh, facility. Despite a court-mandated no-contact order. It angered me and, uh, and I was pretty emotional after reading it. The letter, several pages long. He says, I'll always be disappointed in myself for shooting you that day. Very quickly goes on to uh, that it's that it was my fault and it was my actions that made him do that. The Correctional Service of Canada refuses to say why the letter wasn't intercepted at the prison, saying it can't comment on specific cases. Belleville contacted the prison demanding answers. Of the gentleman that was uh, apologized profusely and offered no real explanation and assured me that although it happened once, that it wouldn't happen again. So I don't have a lot of confidence in that. But he's confident tonight won't crush his spirits, a new lease on life after a near-death experience. Shelby Tom, Global News. Crab Park Chowdery, the Vancouver restaurant where a rat was allegedly found in a bowl of soup, is shutting its doors for good. In an Instagram post, the restaurant says their last day will be Sunday, that comes less than a month after a viral video surfaced of a rat allegedly found in a bowl of soup served to a customer. The chowdery has repeatedly denied the allegations, saying the incident simply doesn't add up. In the post, they thank everyone for their support and love and end it by saying the next chapter will be even better. Mama. A shocking explosion and fireball on the roof of a science building at the University of Lyon in France. The building was undergoing renovations, and it's believed it was gas cylinders being stored there that went up. Three people were injured, but the fire was quickly contained. Two skiers buried by an avalanche in New Mexico are in critical condition tonight. An avalanche hit Katina Peak. There's been multiple victims. It happened inbounds near the highest peak at the Taos Ski Valley Resort. Officials say no other victims were found, and the area has been declared clear. It's unknown what may have triggered the avalanche, but the ski resort says it's been doing regular avalanche mitigation work throughout the ski season. A Canadian will remain on death row in China after Beijing rejected a plea from Ottawa for clemency. Robert Schellenberg was sentenced to death earlier this week after appealing a conviction for drug trafficking. 
China's foreign minister says the Chinese court is independent, acted according to its own rules, and the decision will stand. The U.S. State Department called the sentence politically motivated. It's widely viewed as retribution for the arrest of a Huawei executive in Vancouver late last year. A Halifax man kidnapped in Burkina Faso two days ago has been found dead. Kirk Woodman was an employee of a, of a Vancouver-based mining company. He was abducted Tuesday night when gunmen stormed a mining site near the border with Niger. Nitu Garcha has the latest. Kirk Woodman was abducted after nightfall on Tuesday by a dozen gunmen on a camp owned by Vancouver-based company Progress Minerals, which he had worked for since June of 2017 as the company's VP of Exploration. He's described as a passionate veteran geologist who had worked in Africa for decades. His bullet-riddled body was found in Burkina Faso near the country's border. The company says he lived in Halifax and was traveling back and forth. We still don't know who the kidnappers are. The news comes after a 34-year-old Quebec woman and her Italian travel partner were reported missing last month. There's been no word since then on how the pair is doing. Meanwhile, officials are advising people to avoid travel to Burkina Faso because of the threat of terrorism. Woodman's son, Matt, said in a statement, Kirk was a loving and hardworking husband, father, son, and brother. Not a day will go by that he won't be missed. He thanked everyone for their support and asked for privacy during this difficult time. Canadian Foreign Affairs Minister Christian Freeland is calling his death appalling and deeply saddening. Canada is absolutely committed to working with the authorities in Burkina Faso to bring those responsible to justice. And I think our first uh, thought today is with his family. Progress Minerals also releasing this statement, saying the company is heartbroken by the tragic loss of a dear colleague and friend, adding they're helping the family during this difficult time. Now, attacks by Islamic militant groups have surged in Burkina Faso in recent months, and there has been a state of emergency in effect in several northern provinces since December 31st. It has Canadian officials urging people to pay attention to travel warnings. Nitu Garcha, Global News. A moving tribute in Gdansk, Poland, for the city's mayor, who was fatally stabbed at a charity event over the weekend. Thousands of people gathered outside the gates of the iconic shipyard to pay tribute to Pavel Adamowicz, the city's mayor for the past 20 years. Adamowicz was known for his social initiatives. His 27-year-old attacker had blamed the mayor, though, for his jailing in 2014 after a series of violent attacks. Tensions between Donald Trump and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi may be increasing, with the president canceling Pelosi's overseas trip at the last minute. The political theater does little to help the hundreds of thousands of workers who are struggling to get by without a paycheck as the government shutdown enters its fourth week. NBC's Peter Alexander reports. Tonight, Democrats grounded, boarded on this bus, but going nowhere. Less than an hour before Nancy Pelosi and others were set to begin a planned trip overseas, including a secret stop in Afghanistan. President Trump writing to House Speaker, I'm sorry to inform you that your trip has been postponed, calling it a public relations event, arguing the top Democrats should stay in Washington, negotiating with me. The president's move apparent payback for Pelosi's call to postpone the State of the Union address until after the government reopens. Democrats fuming. I think the actions of the president were petty, uh, mean-spirited, and beneath 
uh, any president of the United States to take. The president again today blaming Democrats for not negotiating. The party has been hijacked by the open borders fringe within the party. Pelosi's sensitive trip requires military aircraft, which the president controls. Though he suggested today, if you'd like to make your journey by flying commercial, that would certainly be your prerogative. Peter Alexander, NBC News, the White House. Some frightening moments for the royal family. Prince Philip, Queen Elizabeth's husband, was involved in a car crash late Thursday. Buckingham Palace says the 97-year-old Duke of Edinburgh was driving a Range Rover near the Royal Sandringham Estate when it collided with another vehicle. His vehicle ended up on its side. He saw a doctor, but he is said to be okay. A strategy in health matters tonight that helped deal with BC's AIDS epidemic back in the 1980s is now being applied to our province's opioid crisis. A pilot project between the BC Centre for Excellence in HIV AIDS and Vancouver Coastal Health saw doctors and nurses track addicts to ensure they stayed in treatment programs. And with such positive results, the initiative is now being expanded province-wide. The program will also ensure addicts receive drugs that are free of fentanyl. These people are going to continue to consume illegal drugs and be at risk of death. So uh, we need to have a safe supply. Uh, this is not unlike the harm reduction initiatives we introduced in the 1990s. It really is about keeping people alive. Since January 2016, there have been more than 3,800 confirmed overdose deaths in B.C. The province-wide project will involve all health authorities. A number of studies have been done on almost every animal on the planet, except for one, the lowly jellyfish. Science hasn't always considered them important or interesting until now. A UBC researcher is convinced that gelatinous sea creatures are holding some important secrets. Linda Aylesworth reports. Jellyfish exist in every ocean of the world, have done for hundreds of millions of years. In that time, fossil evidence shows they've changed very little. This body plan works for them. They don't need a lot of food. They don't need a lot of oxygen. They're very good at surviving even in poor conditions. And so I think once you've got something good, stick with it, right? And yet we don't know much about them. It's one reason Jessica Schaub, a UBC master's student, decided to study them. The more you learn about them, the more you realize that they're way more interesting than people think they are. They're pretty sophisticated for things that don't have a brain. <laughs> Her study requires catching adult or medusa jellyfish with nets, extracting the larvae tucked within their tentacles, and bringing them back to UBC. They're in a refrigerator, in a jar, they grow into polyps. They're a lot of fun. They're kind of um, alien-like. We are hoping to do some genetic work to look at what they're eating and to look at what their microbiome is made of, what bacteria are living with them. Learning that could answer other questions, like what causes those enormous gatherings of jellyfish, known as blooms? They certainly seem to be on the rise, but are they really? The thing is that we just don't have enough information on them to say for sure whether they're increasing or decreasing. I think we just we need to study it more. Growing interest in new technology is slowly revealing more of their secrets. Like, what are they good for? And it turns out that lots of things eat jellyfish. Species of seabirds are eating them, penguins, um, fish, big sea turtles. So he's taking the food that he catches on his tentacles and he's moving them into his mouth. So his mouth Finding out what jellyfish eat in it. return will help Jessica add to the much-needed body of knowledge. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. We found respect for jellyfish.
And how about this? A legendary Golden Girl celebrates another milestone, but Betty White still has something on her bucket list. That's coming up right after Christie's forecast. Let's check in with mm. her, see what's going on in the weather. Uh, more great photos of, uh, you know, frosty conditions. And this one from uh, Lake Else, which is near uh, Kitimat. And these ice sculptures, this one looking like a dolphin. Doug McLeod sent it to me. If you're at home and you know what caused this, let me know because we're curious. What I think it is was a chunk of ice that was sticking out and that has melted in the sun and just happened to melt into a dolphin shape. Uh, but why was the ice sticking out like that? That's what I'm sort of curious about. So let me know. We are... Uh, Wondering, especially uh, Chris. All right, English Babe, thanks to Tricia. Yes, we saw a change today, but did you know the daffodils are out? I was shocked to see that, but our own Kasia Badurka also confirms that she took a walk yesterday, and interior regions also saw a change today. Light snow there. So, yes, that's the pattern we're going to be contending with. This is the first of two systems that is pushing onshore. We'll see snowfall inland, rain along the coast overnight tonight, but it's really the second system we're concerned about. It pushes in later tomorrow, so likely around the dinner time hour for the south coast, 5, 6 o'clock, and it's going to bring in wind and rain. Through the evening hours Friday, overnight into our Saturday morning, we're talking about significant winds all across the region. Now, at this point, no wind warnings or rain warnings in effect, but we do have a special weather statement out for all along the Vancouver Island region, not including Metro Vancouver. And it basically states that we're expecting strong winds and rain tomorrow, but no significant or no actual numbers for the strength of the wind because we're not yet sure. For the south coast, though, this is one I expect us to expect uh, to see the strongest winds. It will be overnight Friday, especially Saturday morning. We're talking 60 to 70 kilometer an hour range. So sure, we could see some power outages, but it will not be a major wind event. Still something to be tracking for sure. Tune in tomorrow. We'll have a better idea of those numbers and I'll have a better idea of the timing also. So tomorrow the rainfall eases off the bulk of it overnight tonight and then again tomorrow night with that wind. And then it looks like we catch a little bit of a break towards the end of the weekend. Backing up and looking at the uh, sunshine we had in the last several days and a shot of a fog bow from Lost Guten Lagoon. Thanks to Al for that one. I'm digging the photos you're digging up lately. <laughs> There's cool. a lot of good fog ones. Bow. All right, thanks, Christy. A big happy 97th birthday goes out today to everyone's favorite golden girl. Thank you for being a friend. Yes, Betty White has worked in show business for 80 years. She has a total of eight Emmys and a Grammy. She says she loves vodka and hot dogs. Betty says her secret to a long life is accentuate the positive, not the negative. There's still one major item on her bucket list. A call from her number one crush, Robert Redford. White has never collaborated with Redford and they've never even met. Quite surprising when you consider that she has worked with just about everybody in Hollywood. Let's hope that birthday wish comes true. I have a feeling it probably will now. Maybe yeah. Robert Redford's not a hot dog and vodka guy. He might not be. Who actually made a trade last night? They did right in the middle of what was a very exciting game. Uh, it was a game. great game, but Michael Delzotto, who rarely ever played, he was like a season ticket holder, really. Mm -hmm. He got shipped to the Anaheim Ducks for Luke Shen, who at one time was considered a high prospect. Uh, fifth overall pick by Montreal, uh, Toronto one year. Out of the Kelowna Rockets, he'll go right to the minors. And there was a seventh-round draft pick as well. Okay, Elias Pettersson is not going to play tomorrow night against Buffalo. We already know that. But the Canucks do expect that Bo Horvat will play, despite getting a bit of a Charlie horse last night. The Canucks, 
That was a great game last night. You're right, especially the overtime. But they look a lot different when Pedersen's not in the lineup. When he's playing, he has a goal or an assist in 38% of the Canuck goals, just to give you some numbers. But the Canucks are not are not smart. No, the Canucks are smart <laughs> in not playing him until he's 100%. This is Elias Pedersen. Treat him like you would treat a Fabergé egg. With him out of the lineup, the Canucks called up Tanner Carroll from Utica. He's uh, second in goals and points behind Reed Boucher down in the minors. Does have NHL on his resume, played with the Blackhawks for a while. Not sure how long he'll stay up here or if he'll play tomorrow against Buffalo. But he did get a free trip to Vancouver, and they'll probably give him a nice hotel room as well. Ducks have lost 12 in a row. By the way, Michael Delzotto not in this game against Minnesota. They've already scored, Anaheim has. 11 seconds later, they score again. Ricard Raquel. Raquel Raquel and his erotic journey from Milan to Minsk for all you old Seinfeld fans. And there's a bad goal, and Alex Stalock got pulled by Brian Gibbons. 3-0 in the third now for the Ducks. Back to that golf tournament we were telling you about, the Desert Classic in California near Palm Springs. Adam Hadwin, let's look at this one more time. This is on 16. Back to that hole. Playing the PGA West Stadium course. This is from 80 yards away. That's an eagle. He's tied for fourth right now at minus seven. The leader, Phil. A 60. 12 under par. Adam Svensson of Surrey shot six under 66. Canadian snowboard star Max Parrott has been diagnosed with Hodgkin lymphoma, which is a rare form of cancer. Because of that, he's taking the rest of this season off to get treatment. Was diagnosed just before Christmas. He has 11 sessions of chemotherapy left to go. Won an Olympic silver medal in 2018. Has five X Games golds, including this one last year. We hope for the best for him. If you want a preview of the BC High School Girls AAA Basketball Tournament, you can always go to the annual Centennial Tournament in Coquitlam. This is where the best meet a couple of months before they meet again for the big trophy. If you're near the top of your class in BC High School Girls Basketball, your team is playing or has played in the Centennial Top 10 Shootout. It's been going on for 30 years now. It's a simple premise, get the best teams in the province to go head-to-head -to, -head to find out where you stand amongst the elite. Basically a test kitchen. Where are we and how far do we have to go before the BC? So the timing of this tournament is really good for that. Um, you know, they've got their kinks out, but now they're gearing up. Paul Langford's estimated his Riverside High School team from Port Coquitlam has played this tournament about 15 times, but it was their first appearance that really laid the groundwork for his program's success. Way back we played, uh, I didn't know if we belonged, and uh, we played a uh, couple of top 10 teams and we won one and then lost a close one and it was actually uh, the stepping stone for the first time we made the provincials. It was like, oh, oh we belong here, okay. This tournament is also a scout's dream. All that talent in one gym. Cody Bench is an assistant coach from Eastern Washington University near Spokane. They've already signed a couple of BC players, including Kelowna's Kennedy Dickey. And they're looking for more BC kids capable of playing NCAA Division I basketball. We look for things like basketball IQ, savvy, uh, court awareness. Those kind of things are kind of separate some kids from the others. So if we can kind of pick apart some of those things, have their coachability, we can definitely tell if it's going to translate to another level. It gets a little bit nerve-wracking, but I just know that, like, I mean, just got to play your game. Like, can't get rattled, just got to 
play like you play. Play with your team. The top 10 is all about tradition and great competition, but also a celebration of what girls basketball in this province has become. I like the fact that there's a showcase for girls um, where they're put on a pedestal for a change instead of always the boys, right? That They get that top tournament for them with some publicity, with some media, with, uh, with the ability to compete against um, the most talented teams in the province. Barry DeLay, Global Sports. All right, Aussie Open. So Jeannie Bouchard got Serena Williams in the second round. You can pretty much guess what's going to happen here. Bouchard didn't play badly, but it is Serena. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff you get. Got beat 6-2 in the first set and just overpowered again in the second set. Nope. Whoa, it was a, it's a great shot, but no. Serena's having none of this. She wants to go further down under. So Bouchard is out. Andreescu out. But Milos Ronic beats Stan Wawrinka, so he's still in. And of course, Denis Shapovalov is still in, so they're on to the third round. Uh, Ronic will get Pierre Herbert mm-hmm. and... That's a lot easier than uh, Shapovalov, who in the third round has to play number one Novak Djokovic. Ooh. He's not expected moxie, to win. But, yeah. He could give him a run, but the good thing about this kind of a match is he will learn a lot yeah. by playing someone like Djokovic in a Grand Slam event. That's how he's got to look at it, too. Okay, thanks very much, Squire. Here's Jay Durant with a preview of Global News at 11. Jay. Thank you, Chris. The Premier announced plans today to help boost our province's forest industry. John Horgan wants to see fewer raw logs and jobs being exported and more value-added wood products made here in the province. We'll hear what environmental groups think about the plan. And the long journey for this RCMP Stetson. It belonged to a constable who died in the line of duty in Surrey back in the 70s. We'll tell you how the hat was found in Germany and how it ended back at the Surrey Detachment. Those stories and more when you join us tonight at 11, Chris. An interesting tale to be Mm -hmm. sure. Okay, thanks very much, Jay. A young hockey fan gets some words of encouragement from his hero. But first, we're approaching the weekend, and Kasia Badurka is here with five things to do. Kasia. A lot to explore in this week's five things. First, we head downtown to entice our minds and our palates. The Art Deco and Chocolate Tasting Tour brings you to Vancouver's greatest Art Deco buildings while you learn about the area's fascinating history. All the while you sample chocolate from the city's finest chocolatiers. That's happening Saturday. How about an interactive art workshop for the whole family? Saturdays from 11 till noon, drop in at the Art Starts Gallery downtown Vancouver for creative and hands-on fun. Ignite their creativity for free, no charge for kids under 12. It's a Tri-Cities tradition that started over 10 years ago. The Port Moody Winter Farmers Market started small, but these days it's a big weekly event. Sundays keep it local when it comes to produce, artisan crafts and baked goods. Now, who doesn't love owls? Tomorrow night, join naturalists on a night prowl and learn why owls are such great hunters in the night. That's happening at the Campbell Valley Regional Park in Langley. Whitewater Ski Resort in Nelson is thrilled to host its winter carnival and snowball après weekend. Chock full of family fun, the weekend features a kid's scavenger hunt, marshmallow roasting, live music, and a torchlight parade. For more, go to globalnews.ca slash five things.
Here's your snow report for today. Finally, a bit of new snow across BC mountains. Whistler Blackcomb, no new snow, but they'll get some in the next 24 hours. Grouse and Cypress picked up one centimeter. Revelstoke saw a nice new three centimeters. Fernie, Manny Park, and Whitewater all should see snow in the next 24 hours. Big White, four centimeters. Silver Star, two, and Sun Peaks, a nice six fresh. Mount Washington picked up five centimeters. And Powder King, boy, is it cold, but you should be getting some new snow, especially on Saturday. Coming up on ET Canada, Julie Chen Moonviz opens the doors to the Celebrity Big Brother house. Plus, previews of Rent Live and John Wick 3. That's coming up at 7, right after the news hour. Back to you, Chris. All right, thanks, Carlos. A young athlete gets a life lesson he'll probably never forget. His hockey hero reached out to him after hearing about the team's struggle with bullying, telling him never to give up on his dreams. Check it out. Hey, Ty, it's P.K. Subban. A hockey superstar reaches out to a young boy in pain. As long as you're still breathing in this world, you got to believe in yourself. 13-year-old Ty Cornette says he's being bullied for his race. The first time they did it, I started crying because I didn't understand why they'd do that. He came home and he asked me what the word lynch meant. Ty's dad, Matt, considered pulling him out of hockey in suburban Detroit, but Ty refused. I love hockey. I just skate away from the situation. P.K. Subban with a blast. When the word got to Ty's hockey hero, he immediately sent a message. I was obviously excited to do that for a kid who's... Uh, in a position that I've been in, uh, you know, many times in my career. Subban, an all-star with the NHL's Nashville Predators, loves kids. He's pledged $10 million to a children's hospital. Let nobody tell you what you can and can't do, especially if it's because of the color of your skin. I went crazy. He felt like flying that night. You play because you love the game and you want to play. Let nobody take that away from you. A hockey hero helping one young man take his best shot. Kevin Tibbles, NBC News, Chicago. A bit of P.K. Subban, yes. a celebration, isn't it? (laughs) Exactly, that's nice. Generous with his money, but very generous with his time, too, which makes... great. Uh, Okay, last check on weather before we go here. Sure, so we will see rain overnight, some gusty winds, a bit of a lull in the action tomorrow, so we're not talking about uh, consistent rain tomorrow, certainly, but late in the day, the evening, overnight, Friday, be a bit stormy, so if you're headed out late, get ready for the wind and rain. No scraping, though. No scraping, yeah. No scraping, that's good. Okay, thanks very much. Thanks for watching, folks. Have a great night. We'll see you back here tomorrow.